The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Support from this podcast comes from our friends over at Wicked Memories. Ladies, do you like candles? Do you not like buying them at ridiculous prices? Guys, are you sick of your apartment and your room smelling like feet all the time and want it to be a little bit more presentable for when your parents or ladies come over? This place has it all. 408 Oliver Street in North Tonawanda. Guys, I went to view their products. It's a combination of two stores, Melting Memories After Dark and Wickedly Handcrafted. And their products Oh, my God. They're so good. Um, Their Taste the Rainbow Artisan Soap, I've been using at my house. And some of the candles that they give smell so much like the actual product. Their Honeysuckle one is delicious. So go check them out. They have in-store deals every Saturday that you can only take advantage of there. Mention my name over there as well, and they'll be able to give some more support to this podcast. And who knows, they might even throw you a discount or two. Just mention me. Wink, wink. Check them out. 408 Oliver Street, North Tonawanda, New York. You can also view their website and on their Facebook page has the link to everything you could possibly need. Again, that is Wicked Memories, which is a combination of Melting Memories After Dark and Wickedly Handcrafted, 408 Oliver Street, North Tonawanda. Make your life smell nice. Welcome to episode 18 of Your Average Ordinary. I'm your host, Dan Torres. How are you, everybody? I forgot to say the episode title last week, and my mom clowned me on it, so here I am saying the episode title again. Um, My guest this week is one of my lifelong best friends. He is my brother. Uh, Him and I went to this school. He is another NTC kid, along with Texas Dave and Steve for Cheese, past guests and friends of the show. Um, and friends of ours, but we're going to get into everything and anything nerdy today, as well as um, just tons of old childhood stories, but my brother, Jimmy Renda, good to see you, man. I'm so happy you came. Good to be here. Yeah. What's it like being back in this building? Um, Nostalgic. Yeah. A lot of things that I'd like to remember came came flooding back. Yeah. Great memories. Yeah, there's a, we really had some great times in this building. And I always think about this room, this particular one, because we're walking by earlier every room that we pass and going, oh, this was this room. Oh, this was like fourth grade. This was fifth grade or whatever. But then I can never remember what this room was. I know exactly. You what, do? Oh, yeah. This was Mr. Bejarano's room, seventh and eighth grade. And... He was in this room when he got in the car accident and broke his rib. And they brought in Mr. Nueves, whose sole qualification for teaching Spanish was the fact that he spoke Spanish. (laughs) It was like Mr. Bejarano's friend from living around him. And he was standing at the chalkboard, which I'm staring at right now. And um, Clarice was sitting in the back of the room and she was talking. And... Mr. Nueves turns around with one of those thick pieces of chalk, 
whips it across the back of the room without giving her any warning, and it pegs her right in the head, and she, like, flipped back off the chair. It was the greatest moment of my eighth grade life. I think that was seventh grade. That was before I went to... uh, I can't remember. I can't remember what year that was, but you're right. I remember that happening. It was was seventh grade. Eighth grade year um, was when we got split up into advanced quotations, advanced math, advanced Spanish. Yeah. Either... Yeah, I think it was that year. I think you're right. Yeah, I don't know how you made the cut for that ever, but I, you did somehow. I I honestly have no idea. I was the, in stupid regular math, and you were in advanced math going, oh, okay, I got 100 on every homework. <laughs> that, was, that was the biggest uh, biggest joke out of any class I've ever taken was NTC math class. <laughs> I've never been in a class where you could get more points – for extra credit than what the homework was worth without yeah. it getting looked at, without anybody checking, without anybody seeing what was on the paper. As she was, like, reading off the answers, you could, like, write them down. And I'm like, yeah, I got a 101. Yep. And that's exactly what he's saying, everybody, is exactly right. So one of our math teachers from 6th to 8th grade, her way of checking the homework was you would go over the answers together and then at the end, she would go around and ask each student what they got on the homework. So you were expected to, like, responsibly give the correct answer. But there were certain people like Jimmy who could definitely get away with not saying the correct thing that they got on their homework. Well, it's not it's not necessarily cheating if you take advantage <laughs> of the system where there's a massive flaw. Right. It's just a loophole. That's it was, all it is. It was a perfect loophole, and I'm not guilty about it because we were underage kids, and I'm blaming the fact that she used to stand at the window and smoke while our <laughs> brains were developing. So I have a hole in my brain because she was sitting around us smoking, and that's why I'm blaming it on. She never smoked directly in the building, though. Yeah, she did. No, in she didn't. Far back corner window, she used to prop it open behind her desk <laughs> where her desk was angled. She used to sit back there and smoke. Really? Yes, she did. And then she used to have um, on her desk in front of everybody was um, this little, I don't know if you know if it'd be called like a belt or a picture. Yeah. She used to talk about how she was Blackfoot Native American and she used to go like. Oh, yeah. And she used to go off and she was used to smoke the uh, cigarettes from the Indian Reservation Oh God! You know I probably shouldn't say this, so, but I will. Um, <laughs> so when I worked at Budway's uh, sophomore year, when I was in Kenmore, she was uh, a cashier while I was in the office, and she ended up letting getting let go from the cashing department because her drawer was always wrong, and it was always the most ironic thing to me, where it was like you were my math teacher. How was your drawer always wrong? How does that happen? And that's the simplest math you could possibly do. <laughs> one through 100. And then next dollar, one through 100. Yeah. Simple. Just give people their correct change back. Just The drawer tells you what to give them. You punch in the number and they know. Two decimal points, that's it. Mm-hmm. And then subtraction or addition. But that eighth grade trip was fun with her at least. Oh, into Canada. Yeah, in Toronto. We were the first ones to go into uh, Canada. Were we? 
I, that sounds about right because I, I think everybody else went to like Ohio and like Hershey, different places. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sister Joanne, we were on the bus and we were watching. Uh, I want to say it was the Sabers. Oh, she, probably. She was crazy about the Sabers. Oh, she loves Massive the Sabers, man. Shout out, Sister Joanne. I love you. <laughs> and uh, she used to. Uh, Go insane before the games and after the games. She was bragging. That's when the Sabers went through that streak of making it to like the semifinals. Oh, every how far we've fallen! How far we've fallen as it, a unit. It's a cycle. It'll, it is, but it's. I hate it. <laughs> I hate this process right have, now. Have you seen the uh, picture? It's um. It's Thanos, and it's. It's like talking about the Bills, and it's like oh the yeah, Bills are great. But what a sacrifice! Everything. Yeah, exactly. That that uh that moment with him and um, uh, go Gamora, right? Yeah, yeah, Gamora. Yep. Uh, where (laughs) where he like he's did you do it? Yes. What it cost? Everything. It's the bills talking about the savers. Yeah, here it is. I've seen all that. Yeah, it says the bills are good. Yes. What it cost? The Sabres, <laughs> which it's so true. Yeah. 100%. It like teared up and I want to say not this past season, but two seasons ago. Yes. When the Bills kind of stepped it up and made the playoffs much but, easier than yeah. it would have been. Yeah. yeah. And then they, um, that was the year that the Sabres kind of like really <sighs> jumped off the, uh, yeah. the cliff. Clipped a little bit, God, but they'll cycle sad. back, and then we'll be excited for them a little bit. But I miss that old era. I miss Briere. I miss having Drury when Drury was really good. Pominville, Miller, and Goal. Miller is an Olympic silver medalist, and we had him in our goal for years. Yeah, he. I'm. I still prefer Hashik. There's a some people. Me too. Hashik was one of those people when I was watching him growing up. He'd like. He shouldn't have been a good goaltender because he wasn't like technical. He just like make these crazy slay or saves by uh, throwing like a foot up or like throwing out a blocker and mm-hmm. just like knock a puck away. Like there was no possible way he should have been able to do it, and he magically did it. Did you ever see um, that illustration my dad did from back in that era? Of I can't remember what he did it for. It might have been like SI or something. Kid. Yeah. And Kids edition, uh, right? and maybe, but it was the caricature one. No, um, not the one of Tiger Woods, but there's one of that he did of Dominic Hasek that he has like the old school goalie mask, like the the Jason mask in front of his face, and half of it's like the Terminator eye, and it says the Dominator on it. It's it's dope. It was one of like the first ones I remember from my dad that I was like, this is really really cool to look at. I think they were all pretty cool. Yeah, my dad is an amazing illustrator, an amazing, yeah, amazing with one. The, uh, what's it called? The Arsal. Not caricature, but with the uh, air gun. Right? Yeah, the airbrushing. Airbrushing. Air yeah, but his his caricature style work is definitely the style he always is in. Not airbrushing like little kids' face at the carnival. No, like airbrushing, <laughs> airbrushing. Air Actual airbrushing. My dad is, he's illustrating a book right now, like a children's book. Really? Yeah. Um, my friend uh, Alejandro, who was on this podcast actually like a month or two ago, uh, his mom re- wrote this children's story and has been producing it as a theater work for a while. 
and our families had met and she contacted him about illustrating and he's doing it and the drawings look amazing right now they're so cool that's awesome i think it is it going to be with the airbrush or is he doing it um what, he's doing style is he's it gonna, uh it's gonna, like a caricature style but um he's been the only drafts i've seen of his right now have been like pen and paper and he's been just i don't know how he does half the stuff he does like drawing is something that i have never excelled at in my whole life ever the one moment that i remember most this was after i found out that he spoke spanish which didn't happen until i was like 12 years old <laughs> which is kind of ironic but i want to say so yeah like, seeing you were at my house like every day like i i don't know yeah he was he was talking about the school he went to because he went to one of the ones that was specific for art he was saying yes yeah and he was telling me that he used to take spanish classes in order to get out of the math classes he'd pretend that it it wasn't his i guess you could say like first language yeah 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 spoken at home so that he could get out of math classes i was like that's ingenious. He's never liked math. My mom is really, really good at math. My dad doesn't like it so much. He's probably really good at it and would get really good at it. But Math is one of those things you actually have to study and pay attention. You can't just like go through the motions, especially when you get into like physics and calculus and all that. I always refer to when we had Miss Weech in high school for uh, pre-calc A. She was fantastic. She was really good, um, but... I'll never forget how hard I tried in that class and still failed it by a combined five points overall. <laughs> 64 on the midterm, 61 on the final. Did, was that the last you had to take was pre-calc, right? It wasn't the last I had. Like, it was the one we had the option to take for either college credit or not. Like, remember, we, if you remember, we only had to do, like, so my freshman year was Algebra 2 Trig, and then I did geometry uh, sophomore year. And then, um, no, Algebra 2 trig was junior year. Freshman year was like Algebra 1 or whatever. But Algebra 2 trig was the last one that you had to take, like for the high school requirement. If you wanted to challenge yourself, you could take pre-calc A. And I did because I really liked math. And I got through, um, I, oh, man, I can't remember the name it's escaping me, but whoever we had junior year, Miss um, Lynch. No, Miss Lynch. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. I'm not sure. I I know I had Miss Weech twice. Yeah, um, but when we got to that senior one, I was like, oh, I'm gonna challenge myself, and I just remember so many of us being in that after school review every day that there weren't enough <laughs> desks to accommodate us. Oh yeah, that I definitely remember. I, I remember. This is kind of a, a funny story. I, My grandpa was watching us the one time on my mom's side, and I went to ask him for help mm -hmm. for the math. I think it was like, it was pretty simple um, calculus and, or pre-calc. Um, and I go to ask him, and I'm sitting there talking to him. I'm like, can you help me with this? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I definitely can. And he looks at it, he's like, kind of math is this I'm like didn't you take math he's like i never graduated eighth grade like, what do you mean i didn't know that was an option can i not graduate can i like choose to just like walk away and he's like oh i guess if you want to and he's like so i'm talking to him and he's like yeah i never graduated i i walked out during seventh grade and he's like, but i ended up getting 
stonemason union and then worked at the railroad, which is a stereotypical like Irish thing to do. And he, sure. he was 100% Irish and he was as stubborn as the stone he worked. I mean, different time back then that you could just walk out of school and be like, yeah, I'm done with this. Yeah, didn't graduate eighth grade, walked out of school, worked on the railroad, was a stonemason. He actually built in New York City through the 40s and 50s a lot of the elevator shafts for the some of the skyscrapers you see. Oh, to, cool. Yeah. So he used to uh, – he worked in the union, and they'd all get on the bus, and they'd go – they get driven out to New York City and a lot of the big cities around, mm-hmm. and they do the mason work. Um, the masons back then, they also did welding, which so it wasn't necessarily just specific welders. So he would weld to for the masonry work he was uh, doing. But he built the elevator shafts. Um, he did other work and like uh, restoration work on some of the buildings in New York City. Sure. Um, and obviously, work like that is come and go. As so, then he worked on the railroads, and then he also worked um, for the parks department. And he so he didn't graduate eighth grade. He ended up retiring with three pensions. He built his own house, and he was able to retire by sixty-five. Damn, son! Without an eighth grade education, <laughs> it was fantastic. That's incredible, and like. A huge part of me feels like that there should be an option for that for people because you just – some people don't learn well just like being in front of books and doing things like that. I don't know. Like I, I feel like there has to be a point – we have to concentrate more on like trades and stuff I feel like and giving more options for people for that because they have BOCES but – That's exactly what it, it was. His mm-hmm. um, His dad – so my great grandpa was a stonemason, but he worked at Father Baker's for everybody who was threatened to get sent to Father Baker's when mm. they acted up by their parents. He, uh, his, my great grandpa worked at Father Baker's, so my grandpa was all always around Father Baker's home, and they used to have trade classes at Father Baker's, and that's where he picked up stonemason. So he used to go to the job site when he was. 13, 14, and then he'd go from there to Father Baker's home, boy's home, and then he'd take his uh, mason classes there. Different educational needs right now. There's a lot of people who would benefit from like hands-on things like that that they could do all the time and not be forced to go and through the same old system because it doesn't work for everybody the same way. Yeah, I think it can be... Um called out at a pretty early age where you can see if someone's more inclined to go into the trades. Not, yeah. They might not even understand it at the time, but there's a lot of classes that you take, even in like high school and stuff that aren't really necessary. Mm-hmm. And it'd be a lot more beneficial and people would do a lot. Learn a lot more if instead of taking those classes, they took trade classes, even if it's like a broad spectrum of trades. Mm -hmm. So try electrician, try masonry, um, carpentry, mechanic, plumbing. Go through all of it, HVAC, Mm -hmm. and just see 
what sticks. And if nothing sticks, then continue on and either go to school, go to college, or get out and start a career in whatever path you want to. Yeah. But I definitely think you you have like a lot of different what they call them academies, mm-hmm. like finance, engineering, architecture. Yep. Stuff like that. I think there there should be a trade specific path that kids could have the option to go down for a few years. Sure. And we need we need a lot of them now. Um if you drive down anywhere or go online there's people are looking for individuals willing to do any trade that you could think of. Yeah. Contracting work, roofing. Oh, they're needed now more than ever. Yeah, and a lot of people don't want to do these jobs because I, I almost want to say that they're conditioned to think that they, it's, they're not doing anything unless they're working like a white collar nine to five type job, which isn't true. Yeah, which it's not true. And even if you do, a lot of people who do get these nine to five jobs, you'll make more as an electrician or a plumber. Um, a lot of them you. Minimum, you can start off at like twenty four, twenty five dollars mm-hmm. an hour, which is fantastic. Coming right out of trade school, or just if you are lucky enough to have someone who is an electrician who takes you right on, right. And I think that that's probably a better option because a lot of the classes that you take aren't. You kind of forget about them. I know. That's what well, one of my college professors used to say. He'd be like, I've been out of school 25 years now. I've never taken a Scantron. Nobody has ever asked me to write an essay about a certain topic. He's like, people have told me to, like, be honest and tell me, uh, tell, like, them about myself or whatever. But that's what's important is being able to present yourself and like be presentable for any job rather than just think, Oh, I need this curriculum. I need this curriculum. No, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. A lot of times a class or a degree doesn't really mean that much. No, Uh, there, there is specific instances and classes that are needed. So like, obviously if you want to be a doctor, you need to take, anatomy and all these different classes that go specific into that. Engineers right. the same. The learning the math is extremely important so you don't have a Miami situation where a building falls down, which is pretty morbid God, to talk about. Fuck. It's it, that's such a terrible that's a crazy thing, isn't it? Like you hear that about that happening um like around the world, but this is the first time I can remember a building just spontaneously collapsing in the country I'm before. Not, I'm not gonna lie, I saw it like a streamer in the uh, news, and I didn't think it was in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then a few days later, someone mentioned it, that it was in Miami, and it, I was completely shocked. Mind-blowing. Because there, there's so many checks that a lot of places go through, and engineers come through and check. And then if once you read into the story, and there was, like, warnings that people were giving them about the building, and they just ignored it. Oh, them. God. That is, whoever owns that building is going to have so many lawsuits. Which yeah, it's well deserved. They're lawsuits. ruined. Like they're ruined. Whoever whoever was running that is is over with. Yeah. That, that's so wild. Just like to have a building. Can you imagine that? 
if we looked across the street and all of a sudden a house just collapsed on itself. It, it's sad that it's at that that point that I guarantee what happened was they were told and they were informed that if they wanted to correct this, people would have to move out for a certain amount of time. And in their minds, they didn't want to give up the income that they were making from rent. Yeah. So I guarantee that's 100% the motivation that went through that. Big old root of the problem right there. And unfortunately, what happened happened. And it's 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 pretty sad. Yeah, it's a damn shame. It's it's really crazy, and I'm just so overhearing like tragedies and things like that that are happening. I want one day where it's just like good news, good news, good news. But that's not how the media works, too, either. Like they all, have to give a little good with the bad. All the dogs from the SPCA got adopted. Oh my god! It's the greatest day. That's the best day ever. I've been, I told you this, I've been working in Delaware Park and like the best part of working down there is seeing all the different dogs walking through every day. I just want to take all of them home with me. Yeah, I, I like uh, dogs more than I like people. Yeah, exactly. Most dogs are better than most people, I feel like. <laughs> Except for you, but we go back. Like we go way, way, way back. Most days. Every well, most days, especially except that one time that I brought up to you recently, where I hit you in the mouth with the pa- like the paper towel holder, and you punched me in the face, like just a full on shot where I was like, "Oh, okay, like I'm just gonna take this and think that context." There was braces that just got yes put on and tightened and everything, so it wasn't just like. Paper towel holder. Right. He, d- he didn't even. Face. And it was the cardboard tube. It wasn't like something from TJ Maxx that was like heavy or some shit. But like, yes, there is context to that where he had just had his braces tightened and it happened to hit him the right way in the mouth. And he kind of got into my guard and was wrestling away my hands. I was like, okay, I'm just going to just let go and see what happens. He'll probably just like slap me or something. Nope, just full out punch in the face. I think we had church like two hours later too, so it was, it was, it was, it was a good thing to repent on for a little bit after. Say a prayer too. Maybe that was the reason you did it, just to like give yourself some motivation to go. Uh maybe. <laughs> Let's go with that. That that's a pretty good uh, excuse. I could I could definitely uh, get behind that one. Yeah, I didn't have anything to uh, pray about. Oh, nothing. God. Nothing for confession. Let me uh, real quick. Get something to tuck in my belt. It, it was the onf- uh, like the ultimate show of your confirmation right there because we, I think we were going to confirmation classes. So it was, I you know I did this. I'm really sorry. I'm ready to repent and become a good Christian and commit to God. That's... Confirmation classes. Uh, you guys good. drove my mom crazy during those when she we was had, our teacher. We had Mrs. Fetzer. No, you had, well, for one half of the year you had someone, and then you had my mom for half of it. I had Mrs. Fetzer for a massive portion, or Haney. Yeah. I don't know. One of the two. Yeah. Whichever um, one. But I'm happy that we didn't have to take Sunday school. (sighs) That would have been crazy. Remember the CCD kids used to steal all our stuff from, like, grade school when they were in our classrooms? Over here? At the- yeah, at like at OLC and over here. Like we'd have our little like supply boxes or whatever. And they'd like take our pencils and crayons and shit. <laughs> they would. They'd steal from us a little. 
Are, little bastards. I thought they were in the uh, classrooms right under the church. We were. Oh, that that was that was a different year, but yes, because we because I used those classrooms too at points during Ascension. Yeah, that was Ascension in St. Albert's, which is what St. Jude's. Jude, yeah, no. St. Judas. Yeah. Um, that's where we had our confirmation was in that. Um, yep. Hall that they have. Not yeah. The new one, the old one. The old one. Good times. The lawn faith. Um, yeah, that's where the confirmation classes were. And those, that was, there was a lot of kids, a lot more than I thought. Yeah, there really were. It was a lot for one person to handle, I feel like, especially when a quarter of them, if not more, didn't care about being there or being with the class or whatever they wanted no, to do. It, it was definitely like a parent's run through the motions. Type yes. Thing. Yeah. A hundred percent. But Which I mean, common now. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. This was the be- the best way to come up, like growing with like guidelines and stuff and even just like morals to follow and things because it, it wasn't even, I don't feel like here we were taught in any specific bias ways or anything like that. Like when we learned religion, we also learned about other religions other than Judaism. ours. Yeah. The Quran. The Quran, everything Hindu. like that. Mm-hmm. We even learned about, I remember, uh, Druze. Yeah. Yep. I know. Yeah, we learned all that stuff while we were here. Uh, yeah, but it was, it was always weird times. Do you remember the one time? Okay, so it must have been like 7th or 8th grade or something like that. But one of like the tanks in the basement had exploded or something like that. Steam, like the steam barreled out of the building, right? Everybody was running. They, I remember this specifically because we always did the uh fire drills that everybody uh was such a big thing, and all the teachers made a big deal. And as soon as something happened, 100% chaos, kids were running everywhere. You were running everywhere, I was running everywhere. Kids were staying in a single line. You bolted out the door, like, fuck this, I'm leaving. Self preservation. Across the street. I can't say I don't get it, but, like, like what the fuck? <laughs> you left us all to die there, dude. I didn't leave everybody to die. Everyone. No. Think about it this way. I was the first one to do it, so I set the guidelines. Everybody should have followed me. I was the first. Everybody needs someone to break the rule first. It's like at a party when you wait for that one person to say they're heading out so everybody else could... Be like, oh, yeah, we're heading out, too. See, I'm a fan of the Irish goodbye, personally. Like, sometimes I don't even care about... yeah, Just ghost. Especially, I have such a big extended family. I'm not going to spend half an hour saying goodbye to all of them. I'm sorry. Like, sometimes it's just like, I got to make a quick exit, and that's it. Yeah, I can get behind that, too. (laughs) Well, you're Irish, so I would hope you would give an Irish goodbye some kind of endorsement. We used to have the, uh, we had a hooli every year for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And I used to do that. I'd sneak out. It was at a fire hall. Every St. Patrick's Day, there'd be like a hundred of our family, extended family. Obviously, it's going back generations, so there's families with like 10 kids. Sure. So there's hundreds of people there, and I'd just like sneak out through the uh, kitchen door. Mm Mm-hmm. Just like walk away. I've mastered. I'm a master of the Irish goodbye at this point. I think everybody should be at one point. I think so too. (laughs) 
Yeah, you left everybody to die there that day, dude. Not everybody. There were some people already out the door. They were good. Someone needed to live to tell the tale of what happened. And that was going to be me. Oh, that was going to be you? I, in case you didn't know, I'm pretty good at telling stories. There was the ninjas that ate my homework. Jimmy used to tell off. the most outlandish stories as a child. What was... Okay, so you you made our Spanish teacher think that you used to live in a box. In my defense, that was my sister. I just went along with the story. Oh, okay. So you were a party to that story, but it wasn't you. She also... He used to have a bell that he used to ring consistently to make us be quiet. Oh, I remember that. She stole it and hid it in the closet. <laughs> so that kind of set the uh, events in motion. Yeah. <laughs> um, And then I didn't do my homework one time, and I told him I couldn't do my homework because I was fighting ninjas in Africa. Um, I convinced one of our teachers that my mom was pregnant again to get out of doing homework for three weeks. <laughs> Which which was fantastic because she ended but up... But how would that get you out of doing homework, though? I don't understand that. Because I was... I think I told her that we kept having to go to the doctor for... <laughs> because my mom's pregnant, so we kept having to go to the doctor. And she ended up seeing my mom a few weeks later um, at church or something. And she was congratulating her on having the... Uh, on the upcoming baby. And my mom, 100% confused, was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, oh, Jimmy told uh, me that you're having a kid. I'm not having a kid. I think that was third. Was it, was third it or, Felicia that you told that? I think it was second or third grade, <laughs> which I'm I'm pretty sure that's not a good sign for later in life. Oh yeah, it, it, it isn't when you're exaggerating at that young of an age. What's going um, on? You told me the one time. So you, I I don't know if I told you this recently, but. I think I might have mentioned it to Steve that one of the most outlandish things you ever said, you were like, you were like, I was playing Pokemon and I had a Metapod and I beat Mewtwo with it. And we were like, what? And you were like, yeah, I used a razor leaf and it cut that cord on the back of his head off and like it killed him. So I straight up killed Mewtwo. I didn't even capture him. So if you wanted to look, I don't even have him because I killed him. I <laughs> like the most. Think- I don't even think uh, Metapod can get Razor Leaf. No, he can't. I don't think, at least. I think I I'm going to blame you for believing me on that one. We were little. Di- Why wouldn't I believe divert you? Divert the blame. Okay, but this is this is another one where you could 100% take responsibility for it. Um, <laughs> whatever whatever you're about to say, I can prove I didn't do it. No, no, no. But you, this one you admitted you did. So it's not even one that you can go back against. So when you were still in the core, me and Mikey came down to visit you and you had two Game Boys at your house. Oh. <laughs> and you had you still had blue, red and yellow, right? Or it was blue and yellow or one of the two. So you and Mikey decided while we were down there, we're here for a week. Let's raise up our Pokémon and see who can beat the other one just within the week and who can get their something Friendly stronger. competition? Friendly competition. So Mikey is playing his heart out during this time, and I'm, like, watching him do it, and you're watching him do it pretty much the whole time. And at one point, he's saying something, and I looked at you when we were alone, and I was like, dude, he's getting good. Like, I haven't seen you play once. What is your plan here? And you were like... 
oh, I'm gonna just trade all my other Pokemon from the other game over to mine and like make it make it seem like I raised all of them this time. And then I'll never forget. I go, Chib, y- you don't control certain levels unless you have badges. And like certain level badges, they won't listen to you if they're too high. And you went, fuck. And you grabbed the game and you started getting as many badges as you could and then traded everyone you could. And then end of the week comes, you and Mikey battle. You won by like a hair. I'll never forget. And then you turn to Mikey and you put out your hand. And you go, if you shake my hand right now, I won the battle. Nothing before or at, or after that could affect this will affect it in any single way. And Mikey was like, I concede. And he shook your hand. And as soon as you let go, you went, I traded all my Pokemon <laughs> in the other game over. <laughs> I had, I had every, it should have been pretty obvious by the fact that the only game you could ever have like Charizard and Blastoise. It was slimy. Pikachu was yellow version. I think I was playing on like, Blue or red or something yeah. crazy like that. In hindsight, he should have known that one, too. So you're right. You do have a defense for everything. Holy shit. I told you, I'm, I'm all about that. Whatever someone says I did, I could prove I didn't do it. That's the Italian in you. Something like that. Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> so speaking of Italians, you and I are huge Sopranos fans. And while we were getting ready, we actually just watched the Many Saints of Newark trailer for the second time. Uh, Many Saints of Newark, a Soprano story. Sorry, I should add that end note. I got to give the whole title respect. What are your initial thoughts? So I'm excited for it. But at the same time, whenever you have something in this situation where there's a series that's held to that high of a standard Mm -hmm. or has that amount of acclaim or awards, stuff like that. Whenever there's something related to it, um, it kind of gets an unfair shake, I guess you could say. Sure. Um, Where people are going to hold that to the original standard of the Sopranos. So if it's not at that level, people aren't going to like it. You're going to get like the hardcore fans who always wanted the backstories. Like um, one of the things I'm hoping to see is you hear the story about Tony and um, Giacomo. They Mm -hmm. uh, end up holding up the poker game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how that fast tracks them to becoming uh, made men. Yeah. That's what, uh, that's what Richie tells them, right? Yep. 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 And, um, so that's one of the things I'm excited to like see flushed out is some of these backstories that you hear about. And you see like flashbacks through some of the stories about like when he's a kid and how they got the uh the restaurant. Yeah. Not restaurant yeah, yeah, yeah. Um the butcher shop. Yeah. Um so there's a lot of those stories and the hardcore fans are gonna wanna see it. But the people who watch the Sopranos and are like they're going to want to watch this and see something that's held to that level, mm-hmm. which I kind of compared it to the uh, originally the Star Wars, mm-hmm. where there's like the first three and then the second uh, trilogy ended up coming out. And automatically people are like, it's not at that level of the first trilogy that came out. Correct. And that's kind of 
the greatest thing you can, the greatest comparison with any of these series that come out that you can compare it to. It's because you have that first one that is so good, how that's such a high level that anything that comes after that, if it's not up to par with that, even if it's the same producer, same, you could, same cast and everything going sure. to like the extreme. Um, if it's not that good, the writing's not that good, there's even the smallest mistakes. People are going to pull it out and pick it apart, rip it apart. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think you're right. That's the biggest criticism anybody can have going into this is we want it as fans to be just as good as the show was, right? If not mm. better. We want it to be some satisfaction of it. But, you know, it, especially with the time that's passed, like that's kind of scary too that there's been such a big gap between the series and this coming now. Mm-hmm. And you wonder if it'll have the same luster or the same effect. Like I just finished Sopranos for the first time like a year ago, and it's still how it still held up for me. Amateur, I know. watched it three <clears throat> times through. I know I'm such a bum. I'm about to. I'm gearing up for my second watch because there's so many good episodes that I want to go back through it and really notice some things this time. Um, do you think Tony was alive or dead at the end? Yeah, I. I'm under the belief, and I may be in the minority here, but I think he ended up getting killed after the blackout. He's dead, yeah. He's dead. Um, Just because if you look at history of what happens in the U.S., um, I want to say even what happened leading up to it, he definitely didn't make it. And I may – this is like one of the things leading up to – Going back to the Saints in New York, Newark mm-hmm. is um, you're going to get people who took parts of The Sopranos and viewed it one way, and then you're going to get the people who saw that same exact scene and viewed it a different way. And the showrunners, the writers, producers are going to have to pick mm-hmm. which way they're going to go, and they're going to alienate half the fan base who viewed it one way. So, like, if they we were talking about um, if they made a sequel, mm-hmm. um, even a movie, series, whatever. If Tony lived during it, you're going to get that fan base that goes crazy. Because yeah. they, they saw, like me, they thought that he was killed yes. in the uh, diner. Um, and then you're going to get the other fan base who thinks that he lived. Mm-hmm. And... Either way, you're going to end up pissing off half the fan base, whatever way you end up going. Yeah. And even on, like, the smaller details, um, you see it with a lot of, um, let's say, books that go into movies. Sure. And even movies that go to books. So you have, like, Star Wars movies, using that reference again, and then they make books based off of the Star Wars movies. and. Obviously, everything changed when um, they got rid of the expanded universe, mm-hmm. and, which is a whole different story. But it's all about that whole people. The best part about movies and books is you're allowed to interpret things your own way, use your own creative imagination. And that kind of flushes out the story because you fill in the blanks yourself. Yeah. And... um that's one of the most fun parts about the ending of that show. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that like it realistically there are three ways it could have ended, right? Realistically. 
he's dead. Like someone killed him. The feds take him and they raid him and he goes to jail. And then, or he goes into hiding. Mm-hmm. It's the only other thing that really happens with that. And we've seen all three in every mob movie that's ever existed. So yeah. why? So why not take the other out, which is let your brain decide. Like my mom is such a positive person that when we finished, she was like, "I think he's alive." Like I really do. I think he is. And I was like, "No, he's absolutely dead." But there are also context clues throughout that season that makes me think that he's dead too. Like his conversation in the rowboat with Bobby where he's talking about death mm-hmm. and he says, um, they say something about, uh, do you, do you think you even feel it? And they're like, no, I just don't even think you know what happens until it happens or whatever. Like they have some conversation in that regard. And then the next episode, someone gets whacked right in front of Syl and Syl after the fact says, you know what's crazy? I didn't even hear the shots. Like, and that was after the fact. He was like, I didn't even hear the shots. I just saw it happen. So, like, those two things in the setup make me think, like, oh, they were setting that up to be. Yeah, in the diner scene, you see, like, the people walking in, and they they make it, you assume that it's a hit. Yeah. Um so I think that's why I lean more towards him getting killed. Mm-hmm. Um, some people don't want to believe it because his family was there. But I think that he ended up getting killed. Um, and that's my personal personal opinion. Mm-hmm. So they were smart doing a prelude or a prequel. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it flashes out. Me, me too. I want to see a lot of the uh, backstories of the the main characters that you uh, see. There, could, if you look through, follow throughout a lot of the series, the uh, a lot of the characters are very specific. So mm-hmm. you have like uh, Tony, who's hot headed, bold, real quick to jump to judgment. And, yes, um, that's where a lot of the issues arise throughout the series you end up seeing it's because he's so quick to act um but then you also have the consigliere right Mm -hmm. and he um he's a businessman he's not like tony he's kind of takes a step back Mm -hmm. he's also a member of the e street band Mm -hmm. yep yep i know Uh, shout out bruce springsteen most American singer that's ever come out of this country. Maybe Tom Petty. Maybe Tom Petty. Tom Petty, Springsteen, Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. We kind of just... There we go. Did a a leap off the uh, Empire State Building out of that conversation. But, <laughs> no, uh, that that that's fine. We can transition right back into Syl. We're good. Um, so, Syl, obviously he's got the uh, strip club. He is a big into business. And that's his side of things. And then you get, like, Junior, who you can obviously tell throughout the entire series that he's not made out for that life. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's rumors about him that he was connected to organizations the actor himself was. Sure. Um, whether you believe they exist or not. Um, yeah. they may, They may not. So, uh, 
they make it out that he is not meant for that life. Syl is very uh, thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And then you have Tony, who's a hothead. And I think they all fall into those places. And it's good to see. I want to see how they came up through that whole um, situation and how they evolved into the characters that we end up seeing. Sure. Because obviously there's monumental moments in people's lives. And if it's obviously he's part of the family throughout the entire series that is uh, coming up. Yeah. So. But even um, like you're saying, that's one of the reasons I like uh, Christopher as a character so much is because they make him so interesting throughout the series. Like everything he struggles with addiction wise, uh, letting his thoughts go through like that. That acting class episode is one of my favorite ones where he has that breakthrough and then comes in the next day and kicks the shit out of his teacher. Like, like all those things make him so interesting as a character. And then, spoiler alert, when Tony kills him, that it makes you just kind of go like, "What the fuck?" Like, yeah, even even that. So, building up to it, you have like that whole. If you watch the series, where Adriana becomes a rat and gets killed, um, she's so he he goes through like the biggest life changes throughout the entire story so he's obviously a younger member Mm -hmm. so you get to see those things building up to that point where he ends up dying where the series has about to come out i think we're going to get that type of insight into how these peoples came up so chris had he finally got made but he got made young Mm -hmm. and then he had the girl woman that he loved and they found out she was cheating on him with tony yeah and then he found out that she was a rat he faced the drug addiction with heroin mm-hmm. and um then he ended up obviously relapsed after she was killed and then there's like that whole again the people have to choose whether Tony did it because he didn't think that he would live or did Tony kill him because he thought yeah. that he was a re- like reckless and yeah a reckless a a threat a whatever you might want to call it for um a liability yeah say. yeah um so that is there that's like one of those decisions that people have to make which I, I'm interested to see the some of the main characters obviously still um tony i want to see a lot more jacmo mm-hmm. um, yeah i think i think it's cool that uh dicky Montesani is going to be one of like the main people too cuz they they always talk about how close they were in their relationships and it'll be cool to see how that affected his relationship with christopher in the future and why he cares for him so much and stuff. And how they ended up getting married. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Because um, obviously she was part of that life. She mm-hmm. knew everything that was going on. It's not like she stepped out of the uh, dark and was like, oh, mm-hmm. what's going on? So it's um, it'll definitely be interesting, and I'm excited to see, which you got to approach it like anything with an open mind. Sure. Stepping in it for the first time. Um, so who is your, who do what boss do you respect the most out of all of them? Good or bad? 
That's a tough one. Um, For me, it's Ralph. I, there's always something oh, about Ralph. Within the family? <sighs> like any anybody. It, it could have been, but just I, out of all of them, and I, I loved them all in a different way, but Ralph was the most like brutal. Like when he kills that his stripper, when he kicks the shit out of a stripper girlfriend in the alley, that's like... When I think about that season, that's the only image that stands out. And I'm just like, holy shit. Like, he was just brutal. He was reckless and brutal and, like... See, acting-wise, maybe, but whether I believe it as a character, I don't. Sure. I didn't didn't see him as character-wise within the series if I was looking at it as if it was, like... Real life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's a code. That's something that, like, a Steedra would do, which is, if you don't know, it's like a, think like the the Casa Nostra, the Sicilian mob, okay. without yeah. the honor code. Oh, okay. That's something that like, they would do. Um, so I didn't really see that happening. Everything about that type of life is very... You have to watch what you say. You have to be careful, like, what's going on. You have to be cognizant um, there's, because there's people who are plotting all around you. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't see him as a character. Yeah. Everything coming through. Um, I like Johnny Sachs. He was uh, – I love Johnny Sachs. He, he, I think it was – he's probably my favorite because um, he even turned uh, convinced um, Pauly. Yeah. Nuts. And he was like, he convinced him pretty much to turn on Tony mm-hmm. because Polly in prison called him and was like, he told them that people were making fun and all that stuff that transpired. I don't want to spoil every single aspect. I mean, shit, this, this show has been out for 14 years. Like, even if you're listening to this and haven't watched The Sopranos before, do yourself a favor. Because even with all the spoilers, it's such a good series to go through. It's such a good, good, solid watch. And everybody's in it. So many actors that you see having huge careers now. Um, it, it, It's really, really amazing. It still holds up after all these years. Yeah, it's... uh. It, I don't want to compare it to the, um, like the Godfather movie, but I want to say that, from what I've heard, they had a lot of the Godfather movie had a lot of people who were connected to that life mm-hmm. as consultants, and the same thing with the Sopranos. So a lot of it, it is based in reality. So it's it's not like so far fetched as. Um, Let's say Goodfellas, right? Yeah. Where they make Henry Hill to be out to be some like crazy in the center mix of everything. Yeah. Which he he wasn't I don't think. No. Because he wasn't he couldn't be made, obviously, so he's kinda on the uh, outskirts, he's kinda Yeah. He's he's in it, but he's not in it. He's not part of that life. Um, so obviously there's some liberties taken with a lot of these movies. Um, although Goodfellas is one of the most gangster scenes of all time with Henry Hill pulling the pistol out, walking across the street, pistol whipping the neighbor 11 times in the face, and then turning and walking back across the street. False. 100% (laughs) false. I'm going to 
defend this to the day I died, the Bronx tale. Mm-hmm. When the bikers come into the bar, he walks over, tells them to leave. They don't leave. And then he locks the door and says, see, now you can't leave. And then they just beat the yeah. crap out of the bikers, drag them out of the bar, destroy their bikes, and the entire neighborhood just beats on these guys. Bronx Tale is a fantastic movie. That Another scene, Scorsese classic. That scene, perfect. My favorite uh, mob or intel movie or anything related of all time is The Departed. It's 100% Ooh. my favorite one. I, just because of... I, everybody in that movie is so spot on, but Jack Nicholson in that movie is – that's like the best he's ever performed was in that movie. The Departed. That, that is definitely a good one. Um, Wait, th- oh, what's the one line he says when uh, uh, when uh, the the guy in the bar, he's like, uh, he's like How's, how are you? He's like, uh, not good when my, when my mom's on her way out. And he's like – we're all on our way out, some sooner than others or whatever. It just showed how embraced in the chaos he was and, like, had been so desensitized to the life he was living that he's just there doing it. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a really good one just because it comes from that other side of, like, the informant, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. um, getting into it. So you kind of see what I like about it, which I'm kind of a— one of those people that likes to look into like the mentality of people going into it was how it was affecting Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, character. Billy Costigan, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh then there one of those scenes is when um the guy's on the couch dying mm-hmm. and then he grabs him by the shirt and he's like, Ask me why I didn't, didn't tell, tell because he texted him the wrong address. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember that. And it makes you it makes you think, was was he actually an informant? Mm-hmm. Like, what was going through his mind that led up to that? And yeah. That's one of those things that, like, you watch it, and then second, third time you watch it, you pick up on it, and it kind of, like, bothers you. And then you start jumping to all these conclusions mm-hmm. and, like, going through every single scenario that is going through your mind. Yeah. So one of my favorite stories to tell about this movie is, uh, so when Julie and I got together... She hadn't seen certain movies. She had seen some ones that are definitely on the list, like that you have to like Goodfellas. Like she had seen that, so I was like, "Okay, you're good." And like Inglorious Bastards is one of her favorite movies, so like she's she's a one in that category. But she had never seen The Departed before, so we're watching, we're watching. I told her I was like, "Strap in, it's kind of a slog. Like you got to really like commit and sit through it." And um, you know her; she's a girly girl, so she's like. Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, the, oh, that, like all that. So, uh, you know, going through all all the steps of The Departed, gets the roof scene with Matt Damon and Leo, starts taking him down, puts him in the elevator. He's begging him not to take him in or whatever. Elevator opens. Leo takes that one step. Shot right through the head, right? So that that happens, and Julie immediately goes, no, no. Why would you make me sit through that two-hour movie for that? Why would you? Flipping, out, like losing it on me. I was and like, just sit. I was like, just sit, just sit, just sit. The I was final like, scene. Watch. So she gets to the final scene with uh, when Mark Wahlberg starts walking up through the apartment. And she goes, she goes, all right. 
<laughs> she I, I was can, like, All I right. can live that. She's like, okay. I can live with that. And, and that's how that's how it was for everybody. I remember watching that movie the, for the first time and that happening and being like, are you fucking kidding me? They're, like, you think he's going to get this huge payoff and, 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 like, Matt Damon almost gets away with all the shit in the end. Almost. Yeah, there's, there's certain directors that I don't, you don't really see stuff like that in movies anymore. And uh, there's certain directors that can absolute geniuses and even let's go to the writers and screenwrites and stuff like that mm-hmm. um they're geniuses and for some reason i feel like you don't really see that and you don't see the turn of events you don't see the depth in a lot of characters obviously there's um there's exemptions to what i'm saying is sure but there there's a lot of people who don't who aren't at that level of writing is Scorsese, right? Yeah, but like even with I think that every writer and director has a certain era too, right? Like even with Scorsese, like when the, when the Irishman came out a few years ago, I liked that movie a lot. I thought it was really good, but it was it was one of those things where I was like, okay, like I've seen this all before. Mm-hmm. Like, this is something that, like, it's a great story. I thought Pacino was was excellent as Jimmy Hoffa in that movie. I, th- I thought he was killer. I thought De Niro did really good. It's great to see Joe Pesci in something. But, like, I don't know. Like, it, it was it was a three-and-a-half-hour movie, and I was like, by the end, I was like, did we need the last hour? Like, did we necessarily? It was, it was a long movie. Yeah. Um... So and but like if you go to Goodfellas, it's like the same thing. But I can sit through Goodfellas. So it's like, is it was it just the era that it came out in? It, have I seen everything and desensitized to it? I don't know. I, I don't think, know. I think from history and real life, there was a lot of bullet points they had to hit in order to make it real. There was a lot that they had to draw on from history that if you like, it, let's say you cut it off halfway through the movie. Sure. People are going to be like, well, what about the giant Hoffa mystery, right? Mm. Like, there's like those conspiracy theories that he's buried under the field and <laughs> stuff like that. So you had to get to that point and you had to meet all these things. Yeah. And the question is, how do you get from, what do you do in between to make it fluid to that point where he gets killed? Sure. Right? And how does... You can't just, like, go through the movie and how it affected his daughter, who Jimmy Hoffa was, like, a second father to. Yeah. All the stuff that needed to get to build up the character, depth in the characters. Sure. I think. Um, and that's one of the, uh, the the major things that drew it out, the major turn of events. That yeah. It, it was a lot of detail. There were a lot of details that, like, were necessary in that yeah, movie, but they, they absolutely needed to hit. Which obviously they're gonna, they're good at what they do, mm-hmm. so they're gonna make it. And I guarantee, when they were doing the editing process, there was a lot that they want that people were fighting to get taken out to cut it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and they he they just had to keep it in, to yeah, make it seem fully fleshed out, yeah. But it's still good. Like I said, it was just like it was one of those ones that I saw, and I was like, "This is this is good." But I can, I could do without it in the future. I may watch it again, but eh. I'm not going to. Right, 
That's how I feel with it. Um, what's your? I know you're a huge. I need to head to the bathroom. Okay, go for it. So, you are a huge history buff, and I know you're a huge history buff. Um, what is your favorite era of history to go through and kind of pick apart? Um. Ooh, that's a tough one. I like uh, I like Civil War. I also like the World War Two mm-hmm. history. Um, those are two of my favorite eras as well. I also like going back and looking into Rome and the expansion of Rome into like um, Gaul, and then even across into England or modern day England. Isn't it crazy how big that empire was for? A long ass time with how little technology they had and shit to how much they conquered. Well, they pretty much set the precedent for expansion. Sure. Like they made the connection that we need to have roads and connect everything by roads because the more roads you have, the faster people can travel. Faster people can travel, the faster. Word can get sent between cities, between towns. Mm-hmm. Like, all the stuff is interconnected. Um, and a lot of it goes into um, mixing of cultures, which you see a lot Yeah, in more modern times when you get into, like, the, let's say, 14th, 15th, 16th century. Right. Right. Um where all these cultures mix, which was fantastic because people were learning different technologies and they're learning different aspects like farming techniques and stuff like that. Um, but a big, a, a big one for me is definitely World War II. Yeah. There's, there's so much that you can dig into that a lot of people don't know about even today. Yeah. Like, um, like one of the major things you can bring up, which is always a fun little tidbit, is uh, – on before D-Day, they had artists, architects, set designers, all these different people from like costumes do everything. They created in northern England, mm-hmm. they created an entire fake army and invasion force. So they had like tanks that were blow up balloons and they had um, the prince and king and generals come through and tour Okay, this whole entire fake army. And they'd have people come up and move the tanks like they were moving so that when spy planes and spies came around, they'd see this and think that the invasion was in northern France. And then, so if it wasn't for Rommel, they would have been solely focused on northern France. Mm. And we would have been able to come in through Normandy, which was where they were ending up invading. Right. Um, So all this stuff went into this deception and they... We were able to turn a German spy, um, and he convinced the Germans that he was still working for them, and he created this entire fake spy network he, that he was getting information. So he was feeding them fake information. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it, he, it's awesome to think about all these different aspects that... Yeah, that's led into it. That's the coolest part of that war for me too. Is that like I still I'm fascinated by it, yet I still feel like I'm learning so much about it that I never knew. Like I feel like I just keep diving in and learn more and more about it. Yeah, there's um, obviously because it was 
so encompassing of the entire world. Um, like, a lot of people don't know, which is kind of funny. Like, Ireland didn't even take part in it. Yeah. They were neutral. Yep. Which is kind of like one of those facts. But then you, on the other side, you can look into uh, Russia, who was, like, allies with Germany. And then all the events led up. And then there's, like, the Germans ended up invading. And then there was Germans who were so afraid to surrender that they'd hold out in, like, cities after mm-hmm. the Russians recaptured them. Yeah. Because they didn't want to be taken prisoner. Because mm-hmm. um, the Russians would retaliate and, like, kill them all. And it, it was it was bad for the Germans. Yeah. Um, like, another fun fact is that the English came up with an assassination attempt on Hitler. And um, he'd always go... When he was still traveling to his uh, some of his retreats, he'd always go for coffee or tea, breakfast at this one place, and he'd walk with some of his advisors. And they were going to um, have a sniper mm-hmm. sneak in with. He was going to come in and sneak in, and he'd have dressed up his German uniform and everything to get into location. And there was one spot where Hitler, after getting all observing and spies and stuff like that where Hitler was out of sight of his guards mm-hmm. and he was going to shoot him there. And then there was going to be a second guy who was set up with a rocket to shoot the car in case he got in the car and was able to get off. Huh. Um, and up not working because the allies determined that Hitler was more of an asset to have because he was so unstable. Hmm. So, they wanted him to stay around instead of some of the other members of the Nazi party. Interesting. Taking control. Yeah, it, it's... That's really crazy to think about. But how you choose to have someone... Like, you're, you have the opportunity to kill Hitler, but at the same time, you know that he's more of an asset to you mm-hmm. because he's the reason you're destroying. Like, one of the things he did was... Um, there was arguments in the defense of um, Normandy and the coast. Yeah. And the generals, the German generals who were arguing about them, um, it was about the placement of some of the tanks. Not to go into too d specific of the terms, but um, he pretty much said, I'm the only one that can say what the tanks are. And when the Allies invaded Normandy. Mm-hmm. He nobody wanted to wake him. They were too afraid to wake him, huh. so it delayed what the amount of time from the tanks getting sent to back up the coast. The coast, where, yeah, and which was how the Allies were able to take control of. Which, if he Normandy. would have just woken up, that might have been a completely different story for that battle for us. Well, not just that. If he allowed the generals to do what they wanted like Rommel is arguably depending on who you talk to one of the best generals that Germany and the Nazi party had and he was upset with Rommel mm. and he had Rommel kill himself Jesus yeah he he gave Rommel the option that like his his family would be fine if he killed himself like something um enemy at the gates where they give the guy the 
rush in the gun and walk out and he shoots himself, something like yeah. that. And so Rommel killed himself, um, which obviously was a big mistake for them because Rommel was probably, arguably, one of the better generals that um, the Germans had, even though he, uh, there's a lot of debate whether he made, how many mistakes he made in Northern Africa and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But he also made a lot of beneficial decisions on the coast of Normandy. Sure. Which ended up, obviously, as everybody who knows D-Day in history, um, made it extremely difficult for the Allies to get a foothold, take Normandy. Mm-hmm. Um, which just says something about the determination of that generation of Americans and Brits and even Canadians were there. Um, the Scottish were there. There was people from other countries that were there that a lot of people don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how many interesting facts you retain about things like this because you're so interested in it. Like that, that's something really cool to me that I've always liked talking to you about this stuff with. Yeah. The, there's only always like, you know, the basis of it, the general aspect of it. And then like, so you learn about France and France getting taken over, right? Mm-hmm. Invaded. And then you learn about the Vichy government. And then you learn about how some leaders fled to England and they were sending out propaganda to the French resistance. Sure. So to the French resistance, those were their, the leaders of France. Um, a lot of the ways that Germany took over a lot of these countries or brought them into, I guess, Germany, the Third Reich, whatever you want to consider it, um, like Norway. Mm-hmm. Norway was under a Nazi-controlled government, so it was still Norway, but it was controlled by the Nazi party. The government was supported by them. Yeah. And then you have um, you have a lot of different little known facts like that, which is it's kind of cool to learn about all these different aspects mm-hmm. just because it was so widespread. Um, and that's always really interesting. And there's always a lot of movies that are coming out and TV shows that are coming out, which I think pulls people in and gets them interested in. I agree. I think I think there are ebbs and flows where people see something and they want to re- get really involved and interested in the subject. Mm-hmm. And you see like a burst of like how many people got into comic books after like the Marvel movies started coming out. There's a direct correlation and <laughs> growth between those two things. Yeah. You know, there's also uh, the hardcore comic book fans or even the novice people who just got into comic books. Mm-hmm. They're, they watch the movies and they're like, well, that's not exactly how it happened. And this is a little bit different. And obviously things are changed. That's me. Because I'm a comic book nerd that can't let anything go, especially when it comes to Batman things. Like the, the one thing that always stood out to me that when people are like watching the movies and I call them out is the Infinity Stones mm-hmm. in the movies. Like Infinity Gems and the, the wrong colors. Yep. Yeah, it's so it's so funny seeing all the memes now that Loki's out too, which I haven't started watching yet. I need to, um, but all the ones that that are about like oh, seeing how involved people are getting with Loki now that he's like a like bisexual to God of Chaos, that it was like 
And then it was like my comic book fan ass ready to tell them that he fucked a horse in the comics or something like that. <laughs> like, well, one of the biggest things for me was I was so excited when uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier came out because in the first, what was it, 15, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. they instantly had that Black Widow, Natasha, um, and Captain America, Steve, mm-hmm. they had that relationship being built. Yeah. And anybody who read the comics knows that they had that thing that go on, and they actually had a kid. Yeah. Yep. Um, James Rogers mm-hmm. after Bucky. Yeah. Um, that That's my favorite, I think, movie out of everyone in the series is Winter Soldier. Yeah. And that, so that happened. I was all excited. And then they had Black Widow and Hulk. And I'm like, <sighs> I know. They, they she, he ended up with Peggy Carter in the end, so it was fine, I guess. But yeah, <sighs> yeah. But that was how many movies later? I know it was so long later, and but they like, and then they dragged out that storyline for so long too that it made you think like, is anything going to happen with this, or is he just hung up on her forever? Like, is that how it's going to go? I, that's one thing I think that they were they were able to do, and it. it Kind of turned out for a lot of people um, that he finally got that satisfaction of him and her together, and then that back to the uh, Winter Soldier when Fury's in his apartment and they're playing the long, long time, mm-hmm. um, and then that's the song that they're dancing to at the end. Yeah, that was that was kind of a nice callback, but I'd still like to see. During the movie, the progression, him and Natasha, because he's very, he's, it's all about like that warrior tactical mindset and she's about that spy. So like during the Winter Soldier, you saw her when they're in the mall, he's like coming up with plans on how to like attack. You take these people, we'll go here. Mm -hmm. And she's like, put your arm around me and laugh. So it was nice to see like him branching out from his mindset and learning new things, mm. which I thought would have been a nice compliment to um, see further down the line. And I'd like to see more about um, after they escaped during Civil War, after they got out that time span between Civil War and the beginning of uh, like the Infinity Wars and everything like that. Yeah, I'd yeah. Like to see that time span, but because there's a lot of cool stuff that people who are deep into it would know more about, um, which is pretty cool. But now that it became so popular, they're expanding it into now the Scarlet Witch has her TV, her TV show, and like. Uh, Bucky and uh, Falcon have theirs, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I, I actually like that one a That's lot. That's a great series, yeah. Yeah, that one cool. was. I watched a little bit of Loki. I wasn't a fan. They're coming out with the Eternals, mm-hmm. um, which is like a can be good, it can't be good. Um, kind of a thing. lot of people don't know about the Eternals. Um, they're created, they're kind of like, a, I don't know what you call it. They're created by like death and yeah all, yeah like 
the celestial beings, I guess you could call them. Yeah, they're, they're like, like the a, children of them. Yeah, they're like a Suicide Squad-ish yeah, thing. And from, yeah, they're yeah. hidden on Earth, and they don't really, they're not able to die, so their bodies can get destroyed, but they mm-hmm. come back. But there's issues because they're still human, like brain-wise, so they can go crazy. And it, it's it can be cool, but at the same time, it's kind of... There's a lot of ways it can become overpowered, I guess you could say. Sure. Because um, the way it kind of works for the Eternals, if you read the comics, is they, a lot of them end up specializing in certain aspects of everything that all their powers. So they have like enhanced speed, strength, all that stuff. Right. And some of them focus on strength and then others focus on telekinesis and a lot of stuff like that. So I, I feel like that's not a series that would make a good yeah. TV series. Yeah. There's a lot of other ones that I would go with, which I'm going to bring this up. The moon Knight. Yeah. I think, that, I think moon Knight would definitely be a good series. He's one of the most interesting characters they have in Marvel. For those who don't know who the Moon Knight is, he's um, say schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. He's got multi personality disorders, and um, he was given hit. He was a merc- He was a Marine, Force Recon, then Ura. mercenary, and then he ended up going into Egypt, and he was given his powers by the Egyptian goddess and. Um, that's how he ended up getting his powers and he's called the moon Knight, and he uses a bunch of like strength and stuff, but he's got schizophrenia. He's kind of crazy. Actually, he's not kind of, he's a whole lot of crazy. He's pretty crazy. He's pretty messed up. And so anybody who likes Deadpool, that's kind of like that whole thing. But yeah, a lot of people don't know that he's got a big thing with like Spider-Man which mm-hmm. people who don't read the comics would a have no clue who he is sure. but b don't know that he's big into Spider-Man and it's, it's a whole extremely awesome dynamic it really is the two of them have and i think that if you get into like those morally ambiguous characters like that that can be a lot more interesting for tv series mm-hmm. so like let's use one that people watch a lot, like the Arrow, right? Mm-hmm. How they were able to use his moral compass and how he went from killing people in the first beginning of it, right? Mm-hmm. And then he brought on Felicity, and she was like, eh, "Maybe you shouldn't kill as much." Right? Yeah, exactly. And then he kind of like <laughs> came back. So you, there's a lot of different things in when you get characters like that because. You can have these redemption arcs, and then you can have them fall off of that, yes. and like go crazy because there's all these backstories between what we call villains or antagonists, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That throughout all the comics and all the time that they can pull on and be like, we can use this to break him from this arc and come off completely different and then bring in all these other characters. Yeah, well, that's what's so cool about uh, Red Hood, which we talk about all the time. Oh, is Jason like, Todd. Yeah, Jason Todd is like one of the best like anti-heroes they've ever created in comic books. Fantastic. Be- because he, you know, he starts out as Robin, 
But even I don't know if you know his origin story as Robin. You probably which one? Do. But so because they had two, they did. yes. But his the um, new fifty two. Yeah, but when the the original one when he was first first Robin, like back in like. 60s or 70s, whenever they first introduced him, mm-hmm. he was stealing the wheels off Batman's tires. Yeah. Yep, like that's uh, how uh, Crime Alley. Yeah, in Crime Alley, he was he, stole he, him off. he had his he had his shit up on blocks, and he's stealing. So Batman knew from the jump that he like he kind of had that life of crime in him, like he had that instinct in him, and he still like he trains him and teaches him to be good and like how to do but you know he still has those tendencies he also he always wanted to do things a certain way and like even now like he'll be he'll work with Batman and then 15 minutes later they'll be punching each other in the face like because <laughs> they're so pissed off at each other so leading up to it a lot of people compare that each of the four Robins they are one aspect of Batman's character, right? Five if you count Stephanie Brown. But yes, four. We're not. Okay. <laughs> not getting, there not we go. getting that. Fair enough. enough. Fair enough. So you have like, they break it apart into different aspects. So like, speaking on Jason Todd, he, Jason Todd the Red Hood, mm-hmm. um, he is all about the anger that Batman has, the chaos. But he... When he gets to that point, after he gets put in the Lazarus pit, he can't control it. Um, then you have the investigative. They break that into its own section, right? And then you have his true son, right? Mm-hmm. And he takes on an entire aspect. So you have it broken up, and each of the Robins is supposed to, I guess you could say, or perceived as one specific aspect of Batman. Yes, yes. And... It's a kind of a cool dynamic that they have. But my personal favorite, obviously, is Jason Todd, mm-hmm. um, the Red Hood, just because he he has that chaos. But it's understandable where he's coming from because if you are DC fans, you know that the entire arc of Batman is fight bad guy, capture bad guy, guy put bad guy back. in Bad prison. guy gets out. Back We're going I, back to, yeah. And then a whole bunch of people die. Batman beats him up, takes him, puts him in prison. And that's just the loop where yep. Jason Todd is like, he's got this understanding. And if I just put a bullet in their head, they yeah. can't go back. <laughs> and I think one of his quotes that he says is, what do you do with the ones that aren't afraid, right? Yeah. And he's talking about, the criminals that they deal with and um it caused it causes a lot of conflict between him and batman yeah um because that's two they're on the opposite ends of like batman's like i'm not gonna cross this line he's like you can if it's necessary like you 100 percent can yeah and i don't know a lot of people probably don't know the like backstory behind it so, sure unless they played like I guess you could say the Batman, was it Arkham Knight? The Arkham game? Games, yeah, yeah. It kind of like dives a little bit into that. So he was Robin. They were chasing down the Joker, right? Mm-hmm. And, well, technically they were chasing down Ra's al Ghul, and then the Joker captured Robin, drew him away, captured Robin, tortured him, 
and using his mom, depending on yeah, which of the two. Using his mom, that's usually the one I refer to just because I'm yeah, old school so like that. They used his mom, and then they ended up, he ended up dying. Ra's al Ghul, I guess feeling bad, not feeling bad, um, took him and dipped him in the Lazarus pit, which brought him back to life, and it made him, quote-unquote, rabid, right? So it kind of tore him apart and it made him into this killer, right? And that is like the whole pretense of his arc going through Jason Todd and the Red Hood up all the way through Red Hood and the Outlaws, which is the most recent comics to come out. And um, he has this whole mentality where he he's trying to come to grips with why Batman didn't kill the Joker who tortured and ended up killing him Yes, um, before being brought back to life. Um, and it, it, when you read about him and read about that, most of the people know about Barbara, mm-hmm. Batgirl, yeah. who was tortured and ended up being crippled by... By the Joker. By the Joker. So there's all these things that lead up, and you start to question Batman... And his morality mentality. And you're like, well, why didn't he? And you think back and you're like, you see how many people the Joker's killed and maimed and what he's tore apart and what he's done to Gotham. As yeah, a whole. yeah. And, you're, and it makes you think, why doesn't he just kill him, right? Mm-hmm. And Batman's stuck in this mentality, whether it's good or bad, that he doesn't want to go to that place because he doesn't think that he can come back from it. Right. Well, he is, he's egotistical, and I think that's his biggest downfall. And I could say that as a, as a Batman fan, is he's so stuck in his ways and stuck in certain things that anybody who doesn't follow that in any sense, whether it's Jason that's killing people or like all the other superheroes you see that slightly disagree, he's like, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, you're 100% wrong. He's stuck to this code so much that if other people don't follow what's in his mind... They're automatically wrong. Exactly. And, and that's what even like – sorry to interrupt you, but like no. when – um with Dick Grayson, who's the most like him mm-hmm. out of all the Robins, he's the most like Bruce. Bruce like flips out on him all the time for things. Also known as yep. Nightwing. Yep, right. Nightwing. Just putting in context for yes, people yes, who yes. don't know. Dick Grayson, Nightwing, the original Robin. Yes. yes. Because a lot of people just based You're on right. the name might You're right. Um, Look at you leading me right on my own podcast. I love it. Um, yeah, and but the one part that is kind of cool about that whole thing is they're still, regardless of what path they went down and all the trials and tribulation that they've gone through, they're still family. Yes. And in the comics, there's whole entire things about how Dick Grayson – as Nightwing and Jason Todd as the Red Hood team up sometimes, mm-hmm. even though they completely disagree with each other and they come butt heads so many times. Um, and they're still together as a family. Mm-hmm. Then there's also, you get into when they're all fighting for the mantle of Batman, mm-hmm. which is its own arc of a story. And then you st- Start seeing them separate, and they're all trying to become Batman, which is also a pretty cool take on 
the whole dynamics of like that family and who deserves it, who should be it, like what, because going back to how each one encompasses one aspect of Batman, Bruce Wayne, um, what aspect of Bruce Wayne based on of which Robin mm-hmm. should be the next Batman? Do you have the detective? Should that be the next Batman? Right. Do you have the acrobat? Yes. Do you have the anger, the chaos, the fighter, right? Jason Todd. Do you have um, the brains? Who's Tim Drake? Tim Drake's yeah. definitely the, like the smart guy. The out investigator. Of all of yeah. That's yeah. what he's referred to. Red right? Robin. Yes. Um, and then, or do you have the true son of Batman, right? Who's the son of Batman and um, Raz al Ghul or Talia al Ghul? Talia al Ghul. Yeah, and like is pure chaos embodied, right? Like he's yeah, he's he's, he's a ruler. He's he's a prince. He's uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say if you want to go down that path. Um, have you ever read the storyline in the New Fifty Two where he briefly gets superpowers for a little bit? No, I haven't. Oh my fucking god, that's that storyline is pure chaos. Just because him with powers is the most <laughs> over the top, overpowered thing. So, um, this is actually one of my favorite Batman storylines in general. So, for a brief period of time, they killed Damian Wayne, um, the the current Robin, and he was killed by they had cloned a bunch of him uh, with. Uh, Raz al Ghul had cloned a bunch in Talia. And so Bruce uh, got really obsessive. The The storylines in which they're written are really, really beautiful, honestly. But for a brief period, he's like trying to find any way he can to get him back. And then he realizes that his coffin's not there and that Talia took the body and that they're going to try and put him in the Lazarus pit and he doesn't want them to put him in the Lazarus pit. Jason Todd part two. Right. So, um, so through a series of events like Frankenstein helps him get to, um, Nepal where, uh, where Ra's al Ghul is and where he's trying to, um, do all these things. And there are these shards from apocalypse that they have on the coffin that, are they're going to use to try and do something special with the Lazarus pit with. So Talia and Bruce's armies are fighting against each other. It's this huge battle. He has the coffin. He's like ready to take it back. They're in the midst of this chaotic thing. All of a sudden a fucking boom tube opens and it's one of the messengers from apocalypse. And they're like, Oh, here are our our shards that we were trying to get back. And they take Damien's whole fucking coffin to apocalypse. So now he's with Darkseid. So Bruce pulls out this crazy-ass suit he has in case he ever needs to go there by himself, which, of course, Bruce Wayne has that shit. If you have that, all the money in the world, you're going to create a suit for every fucking scenario. Um, but he goes to Apocalypse, and he gets the coffin back, and the, he resurrects him with the shards, or they had resurrected with him with the shards or something. And they get back in the Batcave, and they start fighting, and Damien like immediately picks up the Batmobile and just chucks it at Darkseid, like right at his face. And then 
like a comic book or two later, he rounds up every villain in Gotham and like flies them up over something. They're like, okay, so you're listening to me now, right? Like you're not like, and Bruce ends up having to be like, even though you have powers, you need to calm the fuck down and like all this stuff. Um, but then you learn it was only like a temporary effect from the shard they got from Apocalypse. So he loses them like a week later. Thank God. Yeah. I was like, for a while I was like, is this what we're doing? Like the whole thing with Batman is he's human and like they're all human people. That... That's that's the one thing about DC is there's no single person who's that overpowered. Mm-hmm. So it's all based in relative reality, right? Yeah. It's all grounded. Um but a lot of people don't realize they think of Batman, Joker. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize that Talia Ghul and Raza Ghul are just as important. They're, as they're two of the most dangerous villains in the whole series. Not necessarily villains. Not even villains. Yeah, they're they're two of the most important characters behind the Joker. Yeah, those are the three of them together are what causes most of the events within mm-hmm. the DC comics. Including Batman, all the series that include Batman, the Robins, and then Nightwing, Red Robin, Jason Todd and the Red Hood. Those are like the main, some of the main characters. Right. They're in all aspects of that, which is, I think that a lot of people underappreciate the role they play. I I think the Batman villains are some of the best villains in in comic book series period i think some of them are just like they add to the world and you don't realize how sinister they are like the riddler the riddler is one of the most sinister villains ever created like like he will fuck you up something fierce i'd say the riddler well going down it i'd say probably the joker then you'd have probably ra's al ghul Mm -hmm. um the riddler then you have the black mask. Black mask. Bane's up there. Bane, Bane's Bane. someone who physically broke Batman, and that wasn't seen at the time. It's Bane, but... I feel like he's gotten less powerful since that point. I think that he filled a gap that they needed for a story. Sure, sure. Right? So We can make that argument for sure. They needed someone to get Batman to that point. Because Batman, after that fight, right, he... He took a, he had to take a break for not, a while. Not necessarily that he took a break. He had to rethink everything, right? Yeah. Well, well, in the comic books, he physically, like, just shatters his yeah. spine. So he yeah. has to, like... Broken back. Yeah, yeah. Like, real, 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 real bad. Yeah, so... <laughs> but it, it made Batman contemplate a lot of things. Yeah, I, it um, was necessary for that series. That's my favorite storyline in the whole Batman universe. But then there's a lot of characters that are fillers. Like I, I'd say that you might disagree that like the Penguin, right? Penguin's definitely one you could classify as more of a filler. There, I would say there's a lot of them that are just. Yeah, Kingpin. um, Kingpin's in um, Daredevil. That's a Daredevil villain, and Spider Man, and uh, in the Marvel universe. But um, uh, they they definitely have some. Like Clayface is definitely one that's a filler. Um, They have Killer Moth, who's one that's kind of a weird one too. That they've just kind of kept around. Uh, Who else could kind of be considered a filler? Maybe um, 
Scarecrow? Scarecrow has been like the the argument I'll make for Scarecrow is in the Arkham games, he was very, very important. And that's like one of the biggest places they've utilized him. And like that, that fear gas is also like a cool element that they've added in some stories. Um, Scarface and um, speaking of the fear gas, little insert. Um, I don't know if this is canon or not, but it's said that when they sprayed, um, he sprayed Jason Todd post mm-hmm. Lazarus Pit. Jason Todd said that he was already dead. He's got nothing to fear, and he just pretty like much, yeah. beat the scarecrow <laughs> off for like thirty minutes straight, just like pounding his head into a car. He's just like, "You got nothing on I, me." I don't, I don't know if that's canon or if that's just something that came up over, like people talking about possible mm-hmm. arcs for Jason Todd movies and stories. Which, speaking of Jason Todd and movies and stories, the Titans. Shout out to that TV show. Mm-hmm. Page. If you just want to get like a glimpse into the Titans and that story arc, um, it's kind of like a one foot in the door type thing. Yeah, and CW has uh, always good, done good job. Starfire. If you're a Starfire fan, just close your eyes and just actually don't watch it at all if you're a Starfire fan. <laughs> um, but if you're like a Jason Todd fan, um, this is pre Red Hood. This is when he's actually Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a Dick Grayson fan, um, it, it's all pretty – not actually not bad for – it's very watered down, but it's not bad for the Titans. Mm-hmm. It, it, I appreciate it. I still enjoy it. I watch it every time the new season comes out. Yeah, it's dope for sure. That's how Young Justice was for me too. Like whenever really? I watched – yeah, I loved Young Justice when see, I saw it. See, I'm – I still love the old school animated series of Batman and stuff. I get that. Have you so have you watched the old Superman animated series from when we were growing up? I don't. I remember. I watched the Justice League. Static Shock was a big one. Static Shock was. I loved that one for some reason. I don't know why. Um, Yeah, Batman, Static Shock, and Justice League were the. Three major ones. So right in with. right in that Batman one, right before Justice League, right in that era, there's also an Adventures of Superman animated series that they made and put on WB. Um, I've been rewatching it because it's on HBO Max. Really, hands down, the best version of Superman for me. Really? Yeah, because they 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 make him vulnerable. They make him – There's. they bring all the villains that you want them to bring in for Superman in. Is it grounded in the comic books or is it um, – it's, it's, There are certain things that you can tell are a little aloof, but a lot of it sticks to like how certain origin stories were and stuff like that. But it's really good. Like I'm so thoroughly entertained. You get to watch Lex Luthor every week try and like devise some scheme to like – to bring him down, whether it involves another villain or whether, like, I just watched one where he was saving Lex Luthor from something. And it's like it it puts the whole Superman t- dynamic together better than any movie could in two hours. Like, it, it just does. It takes so much more liberties because it's animated and because yeah. they can do that that it makes sense for that medium. So – 
I'm a book purist. So whenever I base like a TV series, anything comic book related, like Harry Potter, anything like that, sure, I base it off the books because mm-hmm. obviously I'm a book purist. So as long as it has some grounding in it and I can make the connection over, obviously I'm going to think the books are better, but I can appreciate what is going on with the animated series, anything that they come up with, right? Mm-hmm. As long as it's grounded in that universe and it's something that I can connect with other parts of it, um, that's important. So, like, you'll see some, like, crazy things. Things I I always bring up like um, to how they bring you can take other superheroes and bring them into a lot of the series that they have, mm-hmm. whether it be Netflix series, Amazon, whatever they're in, they could bring in so many different superheroes and get crazy storylines, and they don't necessarily do it, but they can bring them and they have that option because of the comic books, mm-hmm. right? So generally they take like, I guess you'd say the hero, right? The superhero. And they take the main villain said he faces from the comic books and they'll just kind of base it roughly off of that. And um, a lot of times if it's live action, they kind of bring the level down. Yes. If it's animated, obviously you can... You can go all out. You can make things absolutely insane but mm-hmm. if it's if it's live action you kind of have to go based off of the technology unless you want to go like spend insane amount of money like avatar go something crazy like that, yes right yes um so i think it as long as there's some grounding in it i can get behind it and i i can appreciate it a lot more um what they have yeah you would like the superman animated series for that too because it's it's very good and it's very grounded especially in the origin of how things actually were and they incorporate like the phantom zone into it and everything like that see that that's awesome i i wish they'd have go a lot more into for a lot of these different ones because obviously they have um they have like sidekicks I guess you want to call them that mature into heroes themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish they go more in depth into that because they end up coming around full circle. So if you are a fan of Arrow, which mm-hmm. a lot of people watch yep. on, uh, was it Netflix? I think. Yeah. Netflix. It was on CW originally. I know that. So if you watch that, you see Roy Harper, right? And Roy Harper ends up he ends up going through this entire arc and I'm a obviously massive Red Hood Jason Todd fan. Sure, sure. So he ends up joining the Red Hood and the Outlaws. He's like one of the founding people. And um he becomes Jason Todd's best friend and kinda like grounds him. And that was all led- was it LaBelle? Yeah. The yeah. writer who just left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is sad. Depressing. Extremely depressing. So depressing. Such a huge loss for that series. It's um, <sighs> He was such a good writer. Um, but so he became Jason Todd's best friend. And he, and he he really became like a re- 
a redeeming anchor, I want to say, for Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was kind of bringing him into a better place. And then you, there's this, he ends up, he also has like a, a thing with Starfire, mm-hmm. and so does Jason Todd, but he ends up getting killed. And like, you could see where like the series is kind of like meandering to going towards. Um, so he's Jason Todd's best friend, and he ends up getting killed. Spoiler alert. If you're not comic for comic, keeping up, he uh, he ends up getting killed. But instead of like Jason Todd, this could have been like a moment where Jason Todd goes absolutely off the rails, crazy. Yeah. Instead of that, he like he ends up hugging Batman, who he, he's in like a big argument with, and he's just fine with it. Yeah. He's like, I forgive him. And it makes you, that's not his character. And the, granted, he could get there if they flushed it out a lot more. Sure. But they're kind of watering down everything that these characters are. And a lot of them up to this point have been written fantastically. Yeah, I agree. And so a lot of people automatically are Marvel fans. But if you want characters that are more grounded in reality who are going through, like, the same emotions you are, right, Mm -hmm. as obviously regular human being, um, that's DC. Yeah. So there's there's two aspects. Marvel's all, like, superpowers, crazy power – um, and then you have DC, which is grounded in reality, and it's all about like emotion and mentality and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. granted, it, there's obviously powers and stuff that come into play, um, but it's they both take two different directions. Yeah, for their main main characters, it's great. It really is, and um, that's one of the things I, I absolutely love about. DC, I'm I'm not huge into like the expanded heroes and sure. villains and stuff. I'm Batman and Jason Todd and Nightwing is pretty much where I stick in the Robins, obviously. Um, but that's what was always the draw for me about the DC comics. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's definitely more grounded. It's you can connect with more of the characters. I feel like in yeah, a sense because they don't feel so large. It's something you can relate to, and you see a lot of. I guess, I want to say you, you see a lot of moral strife where mm-hmm. it's they're getting pulled in two different directions. Which way are they going to go? You think that they're going down a specific arc, but like anybody else. They end up going off down. Something happens where they get pulled down a different arc. Sure. And, like, and you sit there and you think that that's relatable. Like I understand that. That's something that I might might happen to me. Where if you look at um, Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. You have like Thor. How many people out there can fly through the sky? I was a god of thunder once. Don't you yeah. know that? Yeah, naturally. Yeah, like, Odin's my dad. 
That's bring, my homie. Bring down a giant hammer and a <laughs> lightning bolt. Naturally. Naturally. And uh, nothing like a little massive wolf in Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Loki's son just coming through there, ripping you apart. Yeah, exactly. And the Hulk who doesn't turn into a giant green monster and destroy everything. Every yeah. Now and then. It's, yeah. It's casual. It's casual. It's that, all casual. So if you want to go to the extremes and like excitement and have like crazy heroes and villains and stuff, Marvel's where a lot of people go to. If you want something grounded in reality, DC. And that that's always been... I almost want to say that they realized that and found their niche mm-hmm. in each market. And so a lot of people who are big into like comics and stuff like that will gravitate to each for their own specific reason. Sure, or, naturally, yeah. And that's kind of why I did. I found I was always a fan of Marvel as a whole, as a universe, right? Mm-hmm. And then DC, I found certain characters within that universe that I really appreciated. Um, and all this was, what, within the last... Within the last five or six years, you've really gotten uh, into it. Maybe more than that it now? Was, it was about 2011 is when I got into yeah. it. Yeah, so 10 years now you've been into it. Yeah, it was, that's when I went in depth. I, I kind of knew the... Um, obviously, growing up with the animated series, I knew all the... Batman was a big one, yeah, and Static Shock and stuff like that. So I grew up with that. So I knew all the watered down stuff, and I got into the comics when I went away and didn't have a computer, so I wasn't like able to see. And I was like, uh, I can get like the graphic novels, like the compiled works of a bunch of different comics, and I can yep. read through those. And then um, that's when I really got into it. I did the same thing with uh, Harry Potter. I, now I started off. It wasn't until I left in 2011. Like, I read a bunch of them growing up, like one or not a bunch, like one or two. One or two, yeah. And then I left. And And we always begged you to read them, too. We were always like, please read these books. Like, Tom, rest in peace, Tom. Rest in peace, Tom. (laughs) And uh, so I read those. He's not dead in real life, just to us. Uh, Anyway. Yes. (laughs) Yes. In spirit, rest in peace in spirit, right? Um, he, uh, so I read those in starting in 2011, and I think I've read through the series about four times in English and once in Italian. Oh my god, if anybody wants to learn or anybody's learning a second language, books, um, the heart. One of the aspects that you need to learn is books. You'll pick up a lot of different terminology and stuff like that in books. So if you find a book that you've read five, six, seven times Mm -hmm. and you thoroughly understand it, and let's say you're learning Spanish, right? Buy that book in Spanish, Mm -hmm. and as you're reading it, you'll know what is supposed to be coming up, what they're trying to get a point, what they're saying, and then that'll help you understand, like, Spanish as a whole, how it's written and how normal people speak. Sure. Well, that's what one of my friends suggested reading children's books in Spanish as your start. Mm -hmm. Because he said that's how he was teaching himself because that's how you learn to read naturally, is reading like picture books and like things like that in different languages. So like you just reteach your brain how to read 
in like a different language and how to like associate certain things. And I always thought that was really smart too. Yeah, that that's exactly what I did with Italian. But Harry Potter was one of those things. I read it so many times that I, I'm so far down that rabbit hole that there's no coming back. I know. That I know all the specifics of that book and yeah, there's things I'm upset about. Well, that's something that you will have to come back and do. We'll have to do a whole episode on Harry Potter because if we dove down that rabbit hole now, we would go about two and a half hours just talking about Harry Potter because I know us and, we, <laughs> and we'd get obsessed no, with doing that. No coming back. No coming back with that. But that that leaves people in suspense for a future episode too. So that's that's a perfect, perfect segue. preview for the next. Yeah, segue or preview for the next time you come on. Um Dude, I'm so happy you came on. This was an awesome conversation. I always love talking to you. You know that. Um, but you will be back 100%. Definitely. Yeah. Come on back anytime to our old stomping grounds and come That's hang out in the studio with me. Become nostalgic. Yeah. Um, where can people find you on social media if you want them finding you on social media? I don't have social media. You have an Instagram, right? I do. What's your Instagram so that people can... Franzo F150, which is a story within itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a whole story within itself. Um, because it's it's based off his middle name, but a nickname of a nickname of my middle middle name. Yeah, naturally. Yeah, naturally, it always comes to that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, follow Jamie on Instagram. Follow us at uh, Average Ord Pod on Twitter. Average Ordinary Pod everywhere else. Next week, we will have another fun, exciting guest for you. Until then, happy Independence Day. Um, I always spend part of the weekend with Jimmy, so I'm glad I got to spend our Friday together. We've had some good Fourth of July weekends, man. Um, but Crazy uh, ones. have a great Independence Day. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Keep your mental health in check. And we will see you guys next week on Saturday. Bye, everyone. for like 15 hours and if we want to get home to our favorite food and pornography we're gonna have to come up with a plan hey why don't we try leaving through one of those spooky looking doors wait whoa whoa doors like an exit door yeah maybe we should get on that hold on a second these doors are labeled this one says dracula on it and this one says beware zombies that's probably the exit and the last one just says nekagrima tough call Mm. i got an idea on three, we're going to open them all at once. All right, let's do it. Ready? One, One two, two, three. three. <laughs> oh, hello there. Damn, that's, that's scary. scary. Damn, that's scary is our new favorite podcast where we talk about all things horror. Tune in to get the latest horror news, long-form movie reviews, and all kinds of other scary shit. Mummies, wolfmen, vampires, chupacabras, lizard people, impolite Canadians, we do it all. So if you like horror podcasts, and we know you do, check out Damn, That's Scary, new episodes every week. And remember, keep it spooky.